If you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And uh, we'll start here in verse 1. <clears throat> it says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would shew them a sign from heaven. Now let me just stop right there for a second. Okay? Just because... People say, oh, I want to see a sign from God. Does not mean that they will believe. Because you see, the Pharisees and Sadducees are so puffed up with pride and ego. Oops. With pride and ego that... They didn't want to lose their power. So do you really think that they really were wanting to believe if they saw a, if they see a sign? Probably not. And we're going to see here what Jesus tells them and we're going to explain a little bit. It says in verse 2 it says he answered and said unto them when it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Now, let me tell you something, okay? The Pharisees, they could tell about the weather, but when it came to the signs of the times, they could not even discern an ounce of what was going on during Jesus' day, okay? Um... Let's see, he. Um. Let's go here, uh, Mark chapter fifteen, verse thirty five. This is the context of when Jesus is on the cross. Okay. So Mark 15, 35, it says, And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. <clears throat> now, these people, some of these people were excellent in the Old Testament. But at the same time, they were flat out ignorant. Why? Because Jesus, in a loud voice, was, cry was crying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Sorry, I pardon my French. That's not French. 
but it tells us, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why has there for, forsaken me? Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament Psalms. If I remember correctly, I believe it's Psalm 22. <coughs> okay. Psalm 22, I believe it is. I could be wrong. Actually, put your finger in that place. Let's go there. Let's go to Psalm... I think it's Psalm 22. Um... Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? You see, the number 22 is a number for revelation. And we see in the 22nd Psalm what Jesus would cry out on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <clears throat> okay. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you at how terrible their discernment was. Jesus was saying in a different language, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <clears throat> now, here's, here's another interesting thing. Why did he speak in that particular language? I have a theory. Okay. And my theory my theory is is as this. When you look in the scriptures, anytime you see a language that was spoken to the Jews and they couldn't understand it, really typically didn't typically was not a good thing. It was typically not a good thing. <clears throat> Why? Because if you look in Judges, you see that every time they backslid and went against God, okay, God would send them a nation in whose tongue they weren't able to understand to oppress them. Okay, in other words, God would send a nation in whose tongue they wouldn't understand as a judgment. Now, could it be that, could it be, and I'm not saying it is, but could it be that the reason why Jesus spoke that in that particular language Could it have been a judgment towards those who've rejected him? I don't know. Now, of course, Christ died for all sin. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know. But what I will tell you for a fact is that Jesus said this in this language and God interprets it for us. Now, I will say this. <clears throat> In verse 35, it says, And some of them that stood by them which heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. 
And Juan ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put a reed on it and gave him the drink, saying, let, a, let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him now. These people that could not discern what was going on, and there's probably some religious leaders that knew the Old Testament, their, their discernment was so terrible that they honestly believed that Jesus was crying out for Elias. Let me ask you a question. Why would the God of the whole universe who chose to lay his life down on the cross be crying out for Elijah? Why? Why would he ever do that? You know how stupid that is? <clears throat> First of all, Jesus said that he could call legions of angels. He never said anything about calling Elijah or calling anybody. But you see that these people, the, the discernment that they had, their discernment was so lacking that they put emphasis on how great Elias was to try to come save the God of the universe from the cross. Let me tell you, let me tell you what bad discernment does for you. Bad discernment will elevate man above God. And that's what they did with Elias. Okay, so Jesus is right. These Pharisees and Sadducees are a bunch of hypocrites that cannot discern the signs of the times. They like to brag about how great they know the scripture. But if they knew the scripture, they should have known that Jesus was crying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But instead, their egos and their poor discernment elevated Elias, thinking that Elias was going to come down and save God from the cross. How stupid is that? I'm telling you, as Christians, you need discernment. If you think you're called a pastor and you have zero discernment, you have no business behind a pulpit. It is my opinion that it is required for a pastor to have discernment. And if you don't have discernment and you feel like you're called the pastor, you have no business behind that pulpit. <clears throat> Unless God gives you that discernment through training. Now, let me rephrase, let me just say that again. If you think you're called to preach and you have no discernment, and your discernment is about a you have discernment as about as much of a sack of peanuts. 
but you have no discernment in the word of God and you can't discern this or that, you have no business behind the pulpit. There's a difference between if you think you're called and you knowing you're called. And so we see that these Pharisees were wicked. Very wicked. Now let's go on. Verse 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And wicked and adulterous generation (coughs) seeketh after a sign. You know why the, you know why it's an adulterous generation? Because the Pharisees claiming that they would that they love God, their traditions actually made the, the commandments of God of none effect. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees both went after their own traditions. And let me tell you something. Anytime you put something over God, you have committed spiritual adultery against God. Let me repeat that again. Anything that you put over God, you have committed spiritual adultery. And these Pharisees and Sadducees, as we had just seen, they were so ignorant and and their discernment was so bad that they elevated Elias over God, thinking that Elias was going to come down and save the God of the universe from that cross. How stupid must a person be to think like that? We're to renew our mind by the word of God. We ought ought to have discernment. How do you get discernment? You get discernment from the word of God. If Listen, preachers who have no discernment have no business preaching. Preachers that have no discernment have no business behind a pulpit, period. Because any preacher that doesn't have discernment, how will you discern if a Jezebel or a wolf comes in and you got to protect your flock? How? If you have no discernment as a preacher, tell me how will you, how will how will you see a wolf or a Jezebel if they come in your church? Your job as a pastor is to protect your flock. And if that means you got to take the word of God and start smacking the wolves and Jezebels out of there, then so be it. But if you have no discernment, you won't be able to fulfill that. Discernment is a huge thing for a pastor. Just being honest. Um... Verse 5, 
And when the disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not understand, neither remember the first loaves, the, remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? You see that? Jesus count, was, was recounting both times. That means there are two separate times that that miracle of the loaves and fishes happened. God speaketh once, yea, twice. Amen. <clears throat> now, how is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Let me tell you something. The fair, remember what Paul said. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? You remember that? Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? What do you think these Pharisees and Sadducees were? They sprinkled little leaven in their teachings. You know what that you know what that leaven is? That leaven represents sin. You know where they got that sin from? Their own traditions. Jesus even said it was by your traditions that you're disobedient to God. And I I, I apologize. That's kind of like my um <clears throat> my paraphrasing. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Okay, Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress, transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Look, ooh, that is perfect. That is perfect. Why do ye also transgress the commandment by God of by your listen, the, the traditions of the Pharisees and the Sadducees made them sin against God's commandments and made others to sin against God command, God's commandments because of their traditions. The traditions of the Pharisees and Sadducees are indeed leaven. Why? Because the traditions that they hold to go against what God says. And if you have any tradition that you hold above God and it doesn't match the scriptures, then you're just as bad as the Pharisees were.
Why? Because you're holding your own traditions above God. It's not right. <clears throat> in verse 6 in Matthew 15, it says, And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Amen. Now, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of God, Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <clears throat> All right, so we need to take we need to take a minute here and explain some things. You know, this world does not regard Christ as God. Okay, he they don't. If Jesus came to you. And he asked you the same thing. Who do people say I am? Well, you tell them that, well, some believe that you're, you're a prophet. Some people believe that you're a good person. Some this and some that. But the most important question Jesus directs to his disciples. If he were to come and appear and you told him that and he... Told, and he told you, and he asked you the same thing he did to his his disciples. What would you say? And that question is, whom do you say I am? So the question is, who do you say Christ is? Who do you say the Son of Man is? Not the world. Who do you say Christ is? What would your answer be? Because <clears throat> I want to tell you something. If you do not have the Holy Ghost, you will not call the you will not call Jesus Lord. Nope. If you and, I, and, and a lot of people, I think, just use that term really flippantly in the world. They don't actually mean they don't they don't actually know the meaning behind that. But that's a, but that's an honest question. Who do you say Christ is? If you're born again, you you have a similar response to Peter. Now I want you to take a look at something, because. The Catholic Church likes to take this and really butcher it to think that Peter was the first pope. 
And that's stupid. Okay, that's just flat out stupid. And it's not their fault. It's 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 these higher people in the Catholic Church that deceive everybody that comes through those doors. But Jesus says in verse 18, he says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Let me tell you something. That rock is not Peter. That rock was Christ. It was upon Peter's confession about Christ that he that Christ will build his church. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And it was it is upon Christ that he will build his church. Peter is not that rock. Christ is that rock. All right. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <clears throat> and I will give unto thee the keys. Okay, this is Jesus speaking to Peter. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, you read that and say, Well, Jesus called Peter Satan? No. You see, let me let me let me just give you a lesson here. There might be things that you might seem well doing in. But just be mindful that Satan can take your well doingness for evil. Okay, here's what happened. Jesus was not rebuking Peter. He was rebuking Satan because, I mean, we, now we really don't, <clears throat> we don't want, I don't want to speculate on what could or could not have happened. But Peter said something that he thought was well-meaning, but it was not. And because of what he thought was well-meaning, it was actually a form of temptation against Jesus. Because it was only through the cross, it's only through the cross that we can be made free from our sin. 
And when Peter said what he said, this should not be unto thee. Satan took that and used it as a temptation against Jesus. That's why Jesus turned to Peter and rebuked Satan. Because Satan took what Peter said as a temptation. To tempt Jesus to not go to the cross. Which is why you have to be mindful of what you say and what you do and what you don't say and what you don't do. Amen? That's why. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's so much here, and we're almost done. Okay? You want to follow after Jesus? You want to be his servant? Then do what Jesus said. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Don't go to Christ prideful. Mm -mm. You cannot serve God in pride. Doesn't work. Jesus wants you to humble yourself when you serve him. When you follow after him, he wants you to humble him, humble yourself. Meaning, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow him. That's not the most pleasant things to do, but Jesus wants you to do that. Why? Because it is a for, it is you humbling yourself before him. God resisteth the proud. Amen? Jesus wants you to humble yourself. And I'll tell you what, if you don't want to humble yourself, God will humble you. And if God has to humble you, you may not like it. Just going to say, you're not going to like it. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it, pro for what is it a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Last verse, and we'll we'll uh, we'll close. <clears throat> Verily I say unto you, there will be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Amen. Now. I just want to say this in closing. If you want to serve Christ, if you want to serve Christ, you want to you want to serve him, you want to love him, 
He requires you to humble yourself. Don't be so puffed up like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a bunch of hypocrites that had poor judgment and poor discernment. Just because a person says, well, I believe God, that doesn't mean anything. Have you put your faith and trust in him? Have you? Have you put your faith and trust in him for your salvation? Have you gone to humble yourself when you pray? Don't be like the Pharisees. Pharisees were a bunch of hypocritical vipers. Only thing they cared about was themselves. Say, so, well, look at me. Look at my image. Look where I'm at. Don't be that way. Amen. Don't be that way. 